0: hello and welcome to the theology gaming podcast my name is zachary oliver i'm the owner and proprietor of the theology gaming blog today i've got two special guests and their names are m joshua caller and
1: and i'm ted loring we wild did... man ted
0: and we introduced both of you before so let's just jump right in <laughs> that sounds good yeah yeah we're old hat now yeah yeah Everybody knows who you are. We're, we're so. not really that special guests anymore. Yeah, know, it's so unfortunate. We're just, we're just guests. <laughs> we're just special. You just end up here sometimes. Yeah. And two other people were supposed to be here, but weren't here.
2: Yeah, jerks.
0: Shake my yeah, fist. Yeah,
1: just because somebody's on the other side of the planet. There's no excuse. <laughs> no.
0: And <laughs> that the schedule is wholly unsuitable for him?
3: Yeah.
0: I can't believe it. All
2: right, someone, so. someone has to teach morning classes in Singapore, whatever.
0: Yeah. Or I'm sorry, late classes.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Evening.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like 7:58 p.m.
1: over there right now. Yeah, I think
2: I think Yen's serious about the whole like teaching thing and how Singapore teachers are are like the best in the world, and he has to fully keep that mo going. Considering you know they can't let Finland beat
1: them out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The international competition is so hot.
0: <laughs> Nobody's competing against the United States,
1: though. No, they're, they're, uh, they gave up a long time ago. They're riding the bench.
0: Yeah, we're done. Yeah. We're done. All right. Well, let's get to our topic yeah. <laughs> and shift away from education. Sure. And what we're going to talk about today is something that Mr. Collar brought to our attention. Uh, to yeah. put it in a sentence – Are our choices in-game a reflection of our true selves, or are we just playing? And I think you're probably better off describing this because of your experiences with various games that like the idea of choice.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for... uh, I mean, most of the games that I really, really grew up around... um, My favorite game of all time is Deus Ex, uh, which is... the, the, The basis of the game is you're living out the role of this character who's completely customizable and what skills he grows in. But more importantly, um, it's all about player choice. At any kind of time you approach a, a problem, there's three different ways you can solve it. You can either solve it by stealth, by force, or by infiltration, some other creative way, sometimes conversation. Um, and this is, this is a, a staple of the RPG genre at large and has become kind of Indicative of most games, especially uh, studios like Bioware and Bethesda. But of course, since you know that's very much a Western trope, um, and Zach, you, you're not the biggest fan of Western RPGs. Um,
0: uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the choice. The way that it's portrayed, but moving. Yeah. You should probably go and describe more before. I yeah, yeah, no, that. no problem.
2: But games also have diversity of choice in way beyond just you know how do I solve this problem. You know, you start having games that start dealing with the subject of sex. You have games that start dealing with the subject of obviously violence, and games that deal with basically various forms in, in near and around those those subjects, and just really questionable things. Most obviously, the case in point would be a game like Grand Theft Auto. or And and Grand Theft Auto is probably not the perfect example, considering there's not a huge diversity of choice. You're a criminal and you basically have to do crimes to succeed in the game. But that also brings up basically any kind of game where you're going to be going around and doing things. It's very unlikely that there's a moral positive choice, but that does come up every once in a while. So I wanted to examine, when you make these kinds of decisions or when you even play these kinds of games, what does it say about you? Or does it say anything about you? you? you a bad person for playing making some of these decisions and and that doesn't even say anything about feel bad games that are intentionally designed to make you feel bad like the walking dead from telltale that's in my definition a, a feel bad game like you're not going to play that game and be like oh i feel so happy but you're going to be making really really hard des- decisions about other player characters and who you're going to save and who's going to die and do those kinds of decisions reflect you is, is the question that I wanted to examine. And, and, and my, I would posit, personally, I believe that they do to some degree. Obviously, if you're playing a game where you're shooting people, I don't think that makes you a murderer. But Jesus says, whatever you think is a reflection of what's in your heart. And so, you know, if you just lust in your heart, that's the same as actually committing the act of adultery. And, and that's the kind of central verse that I wanted to bring as the source of discussion around this topic. Because video games aren't actually doing the things. You're pressing buttons on a plastic device. But are they reflections of what's in your heart?
1: Ted, what do you think about this? And I do think that's a very interesting question, especially in our culture where we're so obsessed with self. I mean, we think about ourselves more than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) So it does sort of spill over into video games. Uh, Where am I? How do I deal with uh, who I am? when I'm simply playing a game. I know that video games are a different medium from movies or books. Up to the point of video games, entertainment and media was passive. You just sort of took it in. You were reading the book and maybe you were turning a page or you went to the movie theater and you sat down and you absorbed it. But video games, you are that character more than just watching a character. If you're playing a first-person shooter, you are pulling a trigger. It is an interesting thing to think about. I'm not a person who is a real hardliner on this that says that this is what it is. I think it is possible to separate yourself from what a character may be doing in a game. That said, I've had a few times when I've felt uncomfortable and stopped playing, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: What are some of those examples, if you don't mind?
1: I don't have a huge amount of Grand Theft Auto experience. I sure. played a little bit of uh, Vice City back in the day, and I think after about an hour into the game, I had a mission or something where I had to kill a cop or kill a policeman or something like that, and that was my line. <laughs> I said, okay, end up yeah. with this game. And I know was, not that there's anything wrong, I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but I just knew that I couldn't continue playing the game. Sure. And then I tried picking up the, uh, what was it called, Chinatown that was on yeah. the uh, DS, and I was doing okay with that one for a little while until pretty much the only way that I could make money was <laughs> doing drug deals. Yeah. And, and looking for people and trying to find the right deal that would make the most money and all that stuff, and I was thinking, goodness gracious, what am I doing? <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, if there was an alternate way of making money in that game, anything other than drugs, good gracious. But I know that's the culture. I mean, like you said, that's a game that leans very heavily toward you are a criminal.
2: As Zach said in a previous podcast, it's a dark humor painting with a, a violent palette. But still, like that's one of the many reasons why I don't play those games. But there's also a unique thing that you kind of hint to there that stands out to me is some games have you playing as a highly scripted character who is kind of in that of himself a person my case in point would be a game I just finished The Last of Us in which you're playing as a character who lost his daughter and became extraordinarily gristled after going through the whole mess of the apocalypse and blah 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 and he's just a terrible dude he's just not a good guy he makes a lot of decisions through the cutscenes especially that you as the player character have absolutely no control over that's him but then you have other points in the game where you are making a decision on how you're going to approach a problem and you can choose to use stealth and not take out dudes or you can of course just go all out with hobo warfare and take them down with your 2 by 4s and your handmade tools of death but
0: that- you make it sound so wonderful yeah if they're <laughs> handmade you know
1: their quality at
2: least yeah duh.
0: <laughs> this is my hobo beating brick yeah. there are many like it but this one is mine <laughs>
2: That game in that of itself is definitely opening a conversation for another time. It's terribly interesting, but the main point of that game in particular is that there is almost no player choice. The only player choice is purely through the level structures and from one scene to the next is where do you explore... What do you pick up and what do you do with those things? And your character is having a conversation with the main NPC character, Ellie, the whole way through the game, and you have no control over that. And it sounds con- like
1: this is a character that's already developed, in a sense. Exactly. When you get exactly. into it. yeah, you know, You're sort so, of wearing that character, but he's already who he is.
2: Yeah, and so that creates this unique scenario. There's this, me as the player, I kind of have to stand back and say, I'm not him. I'm experiencing things through him. And it's very clearly that case. I mean, that's true of every game to some degree, but in that case especially, here's a character and this is what he does. This is his world. This is his thing. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have something like Fable or The Elder Scrolls, where everything that you do is completely customizable and you're essentially you. And there's not really a lot of scripted anything. Maybe things scripted around your experience, but ultimately the choices that you make in the game are yours. So it's, in that sense, a very true, by-the-book definition of a role-playing game. In that kind of scenario, which I would suggest is some of the Grand Theft Autos, you know, because for some of them, you're a character and other ones, you're a vessel through which you you engage with the world. And that's the same thing in, in the Saints Row series. It's the same thing in Mass Effect series you're a character that you customize to be however you want them to be. Hmm. And that that might be a little bit more ideal as a talking point for the conversation that we're having about, are these choices you?
0: Well, I think you could do it in terms of linear games that have a very set storyline and the more open variant. Because in both ways, you're expressing yourself through the game's gameplay mechanics. Yeah. What someone would call a ludic language, that's pretentious, but... (laughs) People will take the mechanics of the game. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Let me. I'm writing that down. Okay. Okay. Got it. Also, also notable
0: is ludonarrative dissonance. Ugh. Oh, stop it. Academic sounding words are bad.
1: And I don't know what they mean, so I'm gonna have to look these up later.
0: The way that you play and the way that you think is expressed through the way that you take advantage of the game's mechanics. In terms of, let's say, World of Warcraft, people don't play necessarily for fun or for the exploration of the mechanics. They're more in terms of looking for mathematical efficiency. So, what can I do the most damage with? How can I do the most damage in a raid? How can my tank have the most stamina and survive the most hits? That's kind of what progression guilds do when they're looking at... 25-man raid content, is that they're looking for the most efficient way to get from point A to point B, and not so much about how much fun it is to get there. Now, it doesn't mean that this isn't fun in itself. People like the efficiency. I personally don't like it, but a lot of people do. But I think this gets back to a lot of why people who are looking from the outside in to gaming culture get a little confused, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people are playing in one way, and then the people who come in from the inside are playing in a different way. So, I'm going to cite the example of The Last of Us when it was shown at E3 with that playable demo and they shot the guy in the face and everybody cheered like it was mm-hmm. something amazing. Yeah. Well, everybody was like, wow, this is a horrible act of violence. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. But what the gamers were looking at was the preceding sequence of events and how the AI interacted, Ellie and Joel, how they interacted with each other in real time during the game, which yeah. is pretty impressive, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah, that's by far the best part of, about the whole game at large. I mean, the narrative is gets you on the hook line, but the quote-unquote emergent gameplay, sorry, another annoying uh, academic term, <laughs> what's unfolding as you are making choices in the environment, that's by far what's most interesting about it. And for me as a stealth junkie, like, I'm the kind of guy who's like, how do I make this run the most perfect I possibly can? And getting into that maximum efficiency thing you were talking about for those well players.
0: Yeah, um, and a lot of people want to play the game in a specific way. If you want to beat up hobos with a brick, you know, be my guest. If you want to go through with stealth and not kill anybody... Well, you don't beat up you hobos. You
2: you act as a hobo who's trying to survive against people who are trying to kill you who want to eat you.
0: <laughs> Either way, one hobo person is involved. There's cannibal hobos. There's
2: <laughs> there's hobos who just want to, you know, sell you. It's pretty grim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and no, right, think... this, the grim shell doesn't matter to a lot of people playing the game, right? They just like... The mechanics and so when somebody gets shot in the face and everybody's like yeah they're not really thinking about this is a game about grim hobo combat it's more about this is a game that looks awesome and i want to play it
2: that tends to be a little bit more
0: yeah and it's a violent palette as for me there's
2: also this challenge i tend to have convictionally like i'm much more of an anabaptist i don't believe in in real world violence is uh, an authentic expression of christian discipleship to Jesus. I think that if you're representative of Jesus, there's a different way that you go about solving problems. So when you're playing a game and there's the only way for you to engage in the world is through violent systems, which is probably, what percentage would you say of games is that?
0: 75% would be my guess.
2: 75? That's pretty, a little low, isn't it? That's lower than I, I would have given. But you also have to factor in, of course, sports, racing, their games. But that's a good point. Violence is often the system that you use. And when I'm playing as Joel, I think of it as me playing as Joel and not me playing as Josh. Because if Josh really had his choice and if games really catered to, um, you know, Anabaptists,
0: I think that the. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't yeah. think they will anytime soon. Just yeah, to, and, remember, I, and the just point FYI
1: is, too. Him. How good of a game would it be if there wasn't some violence? Violence is far more interesting than peace. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also think that there's room for a much more unique and healing-oriented game. There, I mean, there's a lot of room for something you could do with that, in my mind at least. It might have something to do with the kind of imagination that I've formed around that, but it does take a large stretch to be able to do something even along those lines. It takes very, very creative writing to even come up with a game where you can design at large to make a game where you can play it without killing anybody like, uh, like Deus Ex 3 or Uncharted, or not Uncharted, wrong, wrong word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you could not kill anyone, Uncharted. Yeah, Uncharted, no, yeah,
2: Uncharted <laughs> definitely isn't one. Dishonored was what I meant to say. And, there, and there's tons of others like Mirror's Edge and games that encourage the player to not use violence in some way, shape, or form. And those, those are the games that I, I always prefer, especially, and, and for me, it's always much more meaningful if you do have the option to kill your enemies, and then they make it much more challenging for you to not. I find that to be a, a very interesting component for game design, because then you have to come up with an, a, a way to overcome your enemies or get away from your enemies without having to kill them in some way, shape, or form. And usually it's like through tranquilizers or stunning or something like that. But
0: It does make the game a lot more passive, I find, because at least from my experience, I would like to play more adventure games because adventure games involve zero violence most of the time. and Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It's mostly about contemplation and puzzle solving. Yeah. But it's definitely a different pace and you have to work your way into the groove of and, the, and how a lot it, of it
2: works. And a lot of it usually comes down to I'm going to click on everything until I find something in the world that I can interact with. And then <laughs> when I know that I found everything, then I need to figure out how I need to combine them to create some extraordinarily weird contraption so that I can open a door. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not
0: always a Rube Goldberg device, but sometimes That's, it is. Yeah. I think it depends. I remember
1: uh, playing some Monkey Island, and the sword fight was insult based, and that was yeah, kind of yeah. that was kind of fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's probably, to this day, the very h- highest and most esteemed of all adventure games is the Monkey Island series. And I, have unfortunately, haven't played them, so I can't speak much to it other than the legacy that I'm um, quite familiar with about the insult sword fighting and things like that.
0: Well, they're fun. Yeah. And the people that design adventure games are even more fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, just looking at Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer talking, they're trying to find new ways to... Make you interact with their worlds and they're, don't they're involve
2: just violent. Fascinating, conflict. interesting guys. I told you that I I saw Tim at Pax East, right? Yeah, and
0: you photobombed him, right?
2: Yeah, I I was I was like, play it cool, <laughs> right. play it cool.
1: You lost three it.
2: Fo- <laughs> photo three feet from his face, nailed it, <laughs> <laughs> and then you ran away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I did I did buy a cappy shirt, right? Uh, you know, two, uh, four four feet away. So I felt like I was you know at least contributing to. To the, the culture, because, you know, the Cappy and uh, Double Fine are, are practically like the same company now.
1: <laughs> so I just had a couple thoughts. One is, I think, in a sense, it's kind of interesting that video games can create situations where these things can even be talked about. You know, it's just simulation. So what would I do if I really was facing that situation in real life? Like the Walking Dead games, where you have to make real choices. And yeah, that's I a good can good point. I played, what, maybe an hour and a half of that before I was like, ah, I'm terrified. But, uh, <laughs> See, I, I
0: couldn't play that either. Yeah. <laughs> I own it. I can't even play it.
1: <laughs> My friend Squiggly played it all the way through, so he was telling me about some of the stuff that he had to do and the choices he had to make. And I was just like,
2: wow. Yeah, it's incredible. It, it, it's peaks of poop. It's two different choices <laughs> of, of really, really crappy Scenarios.
1: Yeah, well, and that's what a dilemma is, right? That's a case where you have to make a decision, and neither outcome is really favorable. Exactly. So you have to pick the the least, or you know, the one that's going to be the The one that you find least abhorrent. Yeah, yeah. So games do that, and I think that's kind of an interesting. It opens up for a lot of discussion.
2: Yeah, and and the choices in in a game like that, I think, are a lot more interesting than um, perhaps the old. Dilemmas of the the black or white choices, which are you know, and and you know, uh, us being Christians, we tend to be much more black and white. But not like nevertheless, yeah. And and those choices might might be nice to some degree, but it's not exactly interesting to me. On w- when you have a choice, like in uh, Infamous, I remember there's a choice where you get some bad guys to leave leave an area, and then they you have a whole bunch of food, and your choice is do I share these this food with all the people here and the civilians or do i shoot the civilians and take the food <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm like I, I i don't think that's actually an uh, a compelling choice uh, i mean like it, it it works in the whole like comic book world that's trying to make up but it doesn't create like a a believable life dilemma because <laughs> you're not going to decide you know which which do i want do i want do I want some food, or do I want to shoot people?
1: <laughs> yeah, not quite as compelling. So I, I would love it if. Actually, I wouldn't love it. But what if when <laughs> you come to faith in Christ, you know, all of a sudden you get a a renegade little meter and a, a paragon <laughs> meter? So you're like, I got to make a choice. Oh, I just got paragon. Is it paragon? Parag- from, uh, paragon. Mass for Effect. Good. Yeah. yeah.
2: For, for, so. actually, I think that in Mass Effect, it's much more paragon and renegade should be called.
1: Nice and not nice. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and or choose the uh, the the ones on the top, or choose the ones on the bottom of the choice. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Uh, and that's
2: the same kind of of criticism that I have for that kind of thing, where you really have those two different polar choices. And and that that kind of brings me to you bring up Mass Effect, and Mass Effect, of course, is one of the games where
1: you can have a discussion. Yeah,
2: yeah, and you you in Mass Effect have a choice on which characters you want to develop a relationship with. That's the, as Yen called it out, it's a Japanese dating sim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really is.
2: It really is. And that's kind of the component. And of course, throughout the uh, 30-hour game, uh, you get to uh, decide who you're going to build a relationship with. And then right before the final mission, you and that character that you've chosen to be with, um, wow, go.
1: Wow, wow. They go.
2: They they go to a black screen... <laughs> and you know what just happened
0: that's <laughs> yeah, like and i was like
2: what yeah and and, and, yeah. Of, cu- and, and of course okay. you know the, the whole controversy arose around when that game came out and politicians heard that there was sex in the game and they're like wow you can go and sodomize whatever alien you want and
3: <laughs> that <was Fox> News.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you serious i forgot about
2: that yeah
0: that was crazy i remember <laughs> yeah and I, like, wait, and I was like what what are they talking about?
2: Yeah, and, and there's no such thing. There, there There's no actual portrayal of the actual sex in any Mass Effect game.
1: It was very PG.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And that and that's the, the kind of irony about it is that, you know, this is the M rating and on the back of the box it says sexual, you know, content. But it really and, – and then most RPGs uh, that have that kind of choice in them even uh, – I think all the way back to Fable. Fable was a l- really really weird because all of a sudden you show up and then you're suddenly at a brothel.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Not like here's... choice there. Yeah.
0: You can get married in the first one, I
2: think. Yeah, you can get married and you can sleep with your spouse and you know there there's tons of variation on what you could do but it was always like if if you're going to commit to that then it's going to fade to a black screen. You might hear like really really awkward dialogue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and 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 then there's a few games that step outside of that, like The Witcher, which does have the very sim very similar setup. Only it does show everything, and and perhaps famously so. Um, and which you know, and that that might have something to do with it being made by Eastern Europeans or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but the the, the point. Oh, oh, and and Heavy Rain is another case in point where you know there oh, yeah. there's the that one had a famous really really awkward uh, sex scene. And and anything that David Cage does has kind of a reputation for. Wanting to be very human and somehow failing in the process and becoming extraordinarily awkward doing very normal human things.
1: (laughs) I I didn't get far enough in Heavy Rain to do that. I I got stopped somewhere after the brushing your teeth part at the very beginning.
2: (laughs) What? Were you turned off by the, the fact that they show the main character's butt like right in the beginning?
1: No, he's, no, it wasn't. You're like that. taking was a, just, I taking was a like, shower, and I want to brush my teeth. I can go upstairs and brush my teeth. I don't need to simulate <laughs> brushing my teeth.
0: It's not very interesting.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I thought that where there was, was too cool. much self.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For me, I thought that sort of stuff was kind of awesome. <laughs> Maybe. I'm yeah,
1: I, and fan. I understand it. I get that. I do. I like, it, I like and,
2: playing uh, with Nerf bats with his
1: kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had a but nice it,
1: house. It was very modern looking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just the, the problem with me in these games with choice is that a lot of the times they're constructed choice. So going yeah. in, I know that oh, well this is going to be good or this is going to be bad. And usually it's like, oh, well, I guess I got to pick one or the other. And, and usually I tend to be good, but I like games that are a little more subtle about it. So to give my weird example that no one else would probably think of, I'm thinking Ogre Battle for the <laughs> SNES or the PlayStation 1. It's the game is mostly about you being a revolutionary leader against an oppressive regime and you lead your revolutionary army against various outposts and places in the empire. Now, the whole game is like a real time strategy game combined with a bit of moral choice. But the choices are not really choices in the traditional sense. So basically actions you take in the game give you a certain reputation or lower your reputation and the game wow. is not at all clear about what exactly does it and what doesn't what mm-hmm. gi- what gives you rep what gives you better rep and what doesn't cuz the reputation is about how the people of the the nation view you so mm-hmm. if you take if you take back towns for the revolution your reputation goes up if you let the towns be retaken by the enemy your reputation goes down yeah if you invite a some kind of horrible demon creature into your army, (laughs) your reputation will go down. And so will your alignment, which determines whether you get a good ending or a bad end. And so there's lots of little choices that the game makes zero judgment on at all. So you'll Mm -hmm. see the reputation meter, but the reputation isn't a moral choice meter. Yeah. It's just perception. It's just Mm -hmm. perception of how people think you are. And this will affect the ending. And, what happens to you at the end of the game. And uh, notably, a lot of the evil choices won't necessarily lead to your death, but mm-hmm. it will lead to lots of people being under an oppressive tyrant like yourself.
3: And oh, it, wow, yeah. And then
0: you get overthrown, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's fascinating. I really like that.
0: That I mean, is like,
1: interesting because it had to do with perception by other people. And that is a deep angle there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's a I'm, really
0: difficult game to play.
2: So it plays. It sounds a lot more like a political campaign.
0: Yeah, but it does – the things you do do affect how you are perceived and your alignment with either good or bad. It's more of a Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. Yeah. But you can have an army full of demons and vampires and werewolves or you can have an army full of, you know, creatures of light and angels and that sort of thing. Or you can be kind of in the middle. It You know, you can move from place to place and just be kind of – you know, milk toast about the whole thing, and the game doesn't really make a judgment or commentary on you for it. So, that's the kind other, of system other that, than your ending. Other than your ending, which yeah, a, a lot of the endings in the middle are kind of like, oh well, you kind of save the kingdom, and then it will kind of list your relationship with all the people that you met along the way. Yeah. But when you're all good and all bad, there's a real distinct thing that happens to you. Cool. But there's at least seventy-seven different endings from whatever. Oh man, so. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that was. Well, this
1: up. this does bring up the question though. Uh, are there any games that really have total freedom of choice out there, or that have ever been made? And if it doesn't exist, what would it be like if it did exist? How would you make it?
0: It's what I'm doing right now. is, is called Real Life. It's an interesting <laughs> game, and I have total freedom to make most of the choices I want to make. <laughs> How are the graphics? <laughs> pretty good. Of course, it, dep- the problem- it depends on where you're standing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> of course, yeah. the,
0: the inherent paradox of freedom is that by being free, whenever you make a choice, you've automatically constrained yourself to something.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so technically, nobody is actually totally free. And you know,
1: this <laughs> so brings this, a good this... point, too. I'm sorry to jump around, but now go for it. there are so many things, too, where you might experience something in a video game and have some success with something, and you do turn around and actually use some of those principles in your real life. I've done that sometimes with my job and my work. I'm like, well, I'm looking at this project. What's the best way to do it? Well, what would I do if I was playing SimCity, you know? (laughs) know, yeah, I would set up a good structure. I would want to make sure I had the sewage and the electricity running, and then I would start to build.
0: Yeah, actually, one of my early experiences as a child is reading players' guides. So that's kind of how I learned to read.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: I read, like, strategy guides for video games. So yeah. what happened was over time that ended up milling into my school studies.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So what happened was I just I did the same thing to the players' guides that I did to my studies and voila, valedictorian. So that was fun. <laughs> that, oh, are you yeah, valedictorian? That's
2: good. You're you are?
0: Of my uh, high school class, yeah. How big was your high school? Uh like it's a Christian school in New Hampshire that mm-hmm. no longer exists. So it was about three hundred kids.
2: So Oh wow, that's that's a lot. A lot more than, than I would typically expect for a Christian school. Because I was going to say, if it was like, you know, like Christian schools around here, like, you know, 14 kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or I was torn of my home school.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant 300 total in the school. Then I would say 30 in my class. Okay. That's right. more representative. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: still, that's a good GPA yeah. is a good GPA. Yeah, seriously.
2: Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Yeah, I, I graduated uh, three spots from dead last.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're not judging you.
2: We're no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that in a weird way because it's like um, just for the, the sheer juxta of uh, how much, how poorly I did in high school versus how much better I did in college and, and how much better I, I was able to do once I
1: learned how to care.
2: Um, oh,
1: yeah. When things became interesting to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, like, you know, you know, in, in high school, um,
1: all the kids that do drugs
2: and and just don 't care about school, they all did better than me, and i don 't know that this actually has anywhere that i 'm going with it, but um, just to say that you know the player choice of having other NPCs around me who who actually care about about me and, and uh, boost my clan helped me to uh, want to do better in leveling up. <laughs> huh. But it just in, in short, like, it, it, in real life, it, it's really important to uh, not play video games so much that it ruins your, your GPA.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what happened to me. People were playing World of Warcraft. They got me into it, and then they kept playing. And they did bad at high school, and I did good because I, like, had to stop playing. Oh, um... well, Yeah, I am
1: so glad I didn't have to even deal with that temptation in high school. That would have been tough for me. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I had a classmate who would play World of Warcraft all night. And then he would have class at 8 a.m. with me in accounting. Mm -hmm. And he would go, oh, man, I'm working on two hours of sleep right now after raiding so long. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I didn't really get into WoW too much until I got into college. Which makes a lot of sense because you have lots of free time. Yeah, a huge difference. And
2: that's why, that's why I've always stayed very far away from, from uh, MMOs.
0: Ah, I see.
2: Because I don't, I don't believe in... in I, I believe in my self-control, but not to that degree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very cautious. Everyone's very cautious about being World of Warcraft.
2: <laughs> uh, everyone's, everyone's got stories. And, and, Jack, it wasn't until I met you until I found someone who has a family who, who seems to have, like, really smart discipline around, around their uh, WoW habit and, uh, or, and or parents who play WoW with them which is which is a really significant and, and fancy thing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing that we can even do that. But you know, they make time to play, so. Yeah. That's their, you know, recreational activity for the most part.
2: <laughs> it's it's hey, it's it's better than sitcoms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I was thinking too. You know how people have different personalities and that's why they tend to like a certain kind of game over another kind of game? Yeah. And I don't know if you ever heard of the Myers and Briggs type indicator, the personality yeah. test. A lot of people do yeah. where you, you're extroverted or introverted or sensitive or sensing or intuitive. Yeah. I was thinking if there was a way to administer that test to a game, how certain games might score.
3: Hmm.
1: And I, I actually started to write this up, and I got, it, got so it just got deeper than I ever thought that it would because you would think uh, a game is just a game. Yeah. But the games reflect the personality of the designer, and they also reflect the personality of the person playing it. Yeah. And you would think maybe you would say, okay, a game like uh, World of Warcraft, for example, all right, is, is an extroverted person going to play that, or is an introverted person going to play that? Hmm. And the answer is kind of yes, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, both kinds of people do play it, which is bizarre. Yeah,
3: Because
1: there is an incredible social element to uh, that game. But there's also, you could play it by yourself for hours, right, Zach? I'm assuming um, you do.
0: <laughs> theoretically, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know if you play it by yourself or if you play it with others. That um, depends. So yeah. how a game is, is sometimes, I think it's based on, of course, how it was designed to be and, and the personality of the person that made it. But also, the personality of the people. I mean, of course, we've seen people, uh, there are some games that do have some freedom where people take it in directions that the designer never thought it would go or if they do some yeah. game testing they are like holy cow they're doing that i'm gonna make a game out of that
2: yeah i know cliffy b has, has gone on record many times saying like he was a huge fan of all the times when he designed something into um, unreal tournament and saw players start doing something that he didn't even know that you could do with the game uh I, I like i don't even remember what it was i don't think it was rocket jumping i know it was something else but just w- when when players start doing something in the game that actually becomes like a full part of the game like i, I guess it's negative it's negative example but like teabagging
1: um <laughs> yeah but no that is that's an accurate example
0: though that is accurate as an example. Or, I don't know racist <laughs> slurs. Is that like a emergent well, yeah. gameplay?
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's a good example, Zach.
0: No. <laughs> well, the you know. Headset no, as but part yeah, of the, that, game
2: that, that, the whole aspect of using a headset definitely opens things up to uh, the lowest common denominator, and it gets really crappy really fast. And that's why I don't think I, th- I think that's why I would prefer any time that I play multiplayer games online, I'd rather not have any headset.
1: And Just I feel the exact opposite. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit more like you, but I have friends that if they can't play a game where they're you know communicating by speech, it's it's no fun for them. It's not as yeah. fun, I guess I should say.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean. If you're playing exclusively with friends that you trust, like that's one thing. But if you're yeah, just going online yeah. and there's always like twelve-year-old kids that are that are calling you n words, you know that's that's not that that I'd rather not.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to sound ignorant here, but I mean that really does happen. I mean that is a phenomenon in the game world, right? I've that, never experienced it, but I mean that that when
2: I have played Call of Duty, that's kind of the, the thing that happens, or Halo, or Counter Strike. Uh, but that might be just purely indicative of of uh, First-person shooter culture. I don't know. Yeah.
1: So you'd be playing a game and you got your headset on, you know, and you've got some fourteen-year-old with some high-pitched voice, you know, calling you every name in the book. Yeah, Where, that stopped being fun a long time ago. When when I was describing <laughs> that,
2: <laughs> yeah, the moment that you started thinking about it, and as soon as it was getting
0: out of your mouth, it stopped being fun. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> I think it's just that that's a lot of the culture is just trash talk. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really so much offended by it, I just think it's part of the way it works. Because in the fighting game community, they do kind of the same thing, but it's more in jest because they know each other. But mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and, and the fighting game community, especially the, 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 the really high elite sense of it, is is very, much more, for lack of a better term, chummy. Um, and, uh, there's a lot more respect because it's, you know, it's like, like Kung Fu Masters getting together and sparring.
0: <laughs> yeah. But they get really hype. So.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what they get really crazy sometimes. So, <laughs> so I think it all has to do with a lot of why these people assemble around these games it has a lot mm-hmm. to do with their personality. So,
3: Right.
0: Yeah. whereas <laughs> it may not be a reflection of their personality in itself. It will be a reflection of what kind of games they like to play and what kind of people they like. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: So we've kind of touched on violence, we've touched a little bit on sex, we've, we haven't we really talked much about language
0: Ooh, in games. That's a
1: good
2: uh, point. Because, I mean, games at large, I mean, especially like with something like The Last of Us, where your character is, where F-Bomb, the, the NPC character, the 14-year-old girl, is probably the most profane character in the game by far, in a very profane game. And that, that actually has a lot to do with de- character development, but the, there's this aspect of your characters in game uh, using very bad language, and that also can be something that you do by, by uh, choosing profane options, um, but also, like you guys mentioned, headsets. So what, yeah, what, just which, right there in the ear. <laughs> yeah, so which, when, when, you, when you think of language in games, like what, what do you think as... Uh, you, there's obviously the, the reflection of yourself when you have a headset on, and you're, and you're speaking to other players through the game.
1: Well, what sparked a memory in me was uh, the last podcast that I was on with uh, Brian, Johnny B. Gamer. Yeah. And he w- we, he asked a question about a certain game that someone was playing. He said, is there an option to, to turn off the, uh, the language? Because some yeah. games do. And yeah. uh, I know he's got small children, and he's probably very concerned about what they hear if he's yeah,
2: playing a game. exactly. And that's a really good point is that, um you know, it, one um the question of as christians should we pl- be playing games uh with with f bombs um yeah and and then on the opposite end uh not not the opposite end but the when it comes to kids and and uh being a positive influence um should we uh, be playing the game, especially around kids. I, I would attest not. I just really heard does. a
1: story recently. I was uh, with my brothers playing some golf, and my mm-hmm. middle brother, who who was born in 64, uh, around the time when he was about three years old, he was in the house, and uh, his grandmother was visiting, so that would be uh, his father's mother-in-law is visiting, and so she's sitting there with him, and he's trying to put on his, his shoe and tie his shoe, and he got frustrated, so he picked up his shoe, and he threw it across the room, and it banged against the wall, and he said, F,
3: <laughs> at the top,
1: top of his lungs. <laughs> and uh, and his grandmother looked at him, and they looked over at our dad.
0: <laughs> Such a good father.
1: And you know, he sort of shrugged his shoulders like, I don't know where he heard that word. <laughs> so I think that, that story is age-old, whether it's in video games or not. Uh, yeah. Kids do hear some things, but I, as a parent, especially when they're young, you don't want them to. And yeah. I, so I could understand where Brian was coming from.
0: But a lot yeah. of it is that they're, they don't know the intent of the word. So yeah, they just know that people around them have said the word. So they end up being yeah, okay. And they're just it. little
1: tape recorders,
0: you know? Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with how we work around games and not playing them around people and, how everything works mostly cuz you know we to re- revolve back to the bible verse that we started out with which yeah. is in Matthew 5 yeah if i had to guess a lot of it is dealing it's with the sermon on the mount yeah <laughs> As dealing with personal relationships and a lot of it is also about i do not think i came to abolish the law and the prophets i came not to abolish but to fulfill and then a lot of the fulfillment is the fact that we're now we were judging on intentions and not necessarily the acts in themselves so the way that you felt when you did the action has as much to do with it as the way the body worked around right so in a video game when you're shooting somebody in Call of Duty, your intent is not to murder someone. Your intent is really just to play the game.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're in a combat situation where it's you know you're either going to be killed or kill. Yeah, I think, and that I think that, that is or that's a real issue for even Christians that are in our armed forces, you know.
2: I mean, I think and I think that 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 also plays into you know for some people that is the actual character you know the player motivation is just um. Just to you know, they think of it, you know just the same sense of paintball, you know, I just needed to defeat the other the other team, and that this is kind of like a sport, um, whereas others might might approach it as I hate my life and I want to take this take my anger out on someone, so I'm going to act like I'm killing people just because I'm that angry or something. yeah, um, and and there there's a diversity of of options on on how you go into it. And I would suggest that um, if that's your motivation going into it, that you want to um, relieve stress, quote unquote, by by enacting violence, um, then that's, a, that's an issue.
0: Yeah, and that's a different problem, right? It's just that right. your intention in playing a video game is going to have a lot to do with whether or not you personally should be playing video
1: games. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, Don't you hate it too when they have on the news, this person killed somebody, and by the way, he played video games. <laughs> and it's like, oh, <laughs>
2: come on. Please. Yeah, so and, and so, so, so does 90% of, uh, what is it, 95% of the population now? Um, Exactly. I mean, like, you say someone plays video games, that means they could be playing Candy Crush Saga. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he crushed his victim
0: with a giant lollipop. (laughs) A lollipop killer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and they go, oh, the people who did the Columbine shooting, they played Doom. And it's, I played Doom, and Doom has nothing to do with actually shooting real people. (laughs) it's yeah, far it's, from it isn't it no yeah and, and i think you hey, know hey, what the- doom is ahead. awesome so theology gaming recommendation everyone <laughs> should play doom i don't care if it's about demons in hell which which yeah. which one uh first one okay and maybe the second one
3: yeah and but third not the one third? is
0: third one is like monsters in closets oh, okay the whole game you walk in a dark corridor monster whew, and jump scare
1: and and the think- indication there is, I'm sorry, is that <laughs> you, when you play a game, you are bringing into it who you are. Uh, and if a person is truly dealing with, you know, homicidal tendencies, uh, sure, they might play games, or they might not, but that tendency is probably revealed in other aspects of their life as well.
0: Yeah. And let me take it a step further. Even if you're if you're a violent person and you're playing Mario Kart, you may get really violent yeah that's a good point so like if you're playing rainbow road and you're trying to kill the other ai drivers (laughs) you might need to stop playing even if this sounds really funny take
1: a break people put down that wii steering wheel thing
0: (laughs) 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 yeah spin out because he throws the wii the wii driving thing like a frisbee
3: <laughs> the and
1: the victim was discovered in a dumpster with a Wii steering wheel around his throat
2: <laughs> how did it that, work that way yeah that's, <laughs> that, 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 that would be yeah that would be very very um that person would have had to be very angry
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right i'm being um, a little silly but it is no. it is sort of the case there that people are complex and even games nowadays are complex so, where self fits in is not just a simple question or answer. Yeah. This
2: yeah. this kind of question, I, I mean, bring, bringing this question to the table for me was very much uh, just kind of let's explore it a little bit. But we're I, I have absolutely no faith that we're going to resolve it or, or come up with you know finite answers because when you when you throw something out there as complicated as you know player choice and involvement in a game. You're literally talking like like I said like can't f- all the way from Candy Crush Saga to Call of Duty to Skyrim to FIFA, you know, like that there there's <laughs> that could make you angry.
3: <laughs> f- FIFA really FIFA
2: is known to make people very very angry. Um but but, but, but the the aspect of of player choice and all of those and and, and the moral um, imperative through all those things is and, and as with all things in the Christian formation it comes it comes down to like you you said Zach is it comes to our heart what is your heart going into this is your heart uh, especially when it comes to multiplayer games is is your heart to engage with people for fun to engage with, to to dominate people because you feel that you have no control or power in your life? Is it because you have no idea what you want to be doing with your life and it's the only thing you can be think of, thinking of doing? Um, there's there's tons of options out there. And, and video games are just something that people approach with a, a, a gamut of different motivations. And so you have to, as a Christian or as, as a person at large, recognize your heart what's going into
0: it and just to add one more thing to give a finite answer that is not necessarily finite on the issue (laughs) is that everybody has different sins that they struggle with yeah so Mm -hmm. in terms of video games your intentions and what problems you have with your personal sins are going to affect whether video games are good for you or not and that really applies to just about anything in pop culture entertainment The way that you spend your free time, quote unquote. That's really gonna affect how your intentions are going in. So it's yeah. more about examining yourself and then mm-hmm. letting scripture read you and yeah. then to check whether or not this is something you should be doing. That's well said. Well said. Yeah.
2: I think that's I think that, that uh wraps things up.
0: Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> All right, to do my little outro thing here.
2: Zachary's final word.
0: M. Joshua Collar can be found everywhere. Game church. <laughs> Love Subverts, sometimes Theology Gaming,
2: Substance sometimes TV.
0: Substance TV. Oh, man, yeah. the list goes on. Anyway. <laughs> wow.
2: Uh, I, hey, I just wrote for Christ and Pop Culture for the first time yesterday. I, yeah, I read that. Pop yeah, I read oh, that. See,
0: 5 No, this is going to get way too long soon. So
2: <laughs> yeah, no, just stop. Just,
0: yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Additionally, you can find Ted Lorig at wowmanted.com, And you have a YouTube channel, I hear now. Well, yeah, I,
1: I've had it for a while, but I have not been writing a lot lately, and I'm just because I'm lazy. I, I Compared to you guys, I feel like a, a bum. <laughs> <laughs> but I did recently put a couple videos up of my game room, and I have a nephew that's just really interested in retro gaming right now, so I did that yeah. mainly for him. But uh, you awesome. know, you're know, you talking about relationship and connection. Uh, I'm looking forward to him coming in about two weeks for a weekend visit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I I hope to connect with him and and share the love of Christ with him as well. So I think that's going to be neat. Oh, that's cool.
0: That's awesome. All right. And if you like this podcast and you like the way we discuss things, go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. It'll help us out a lot. And especially if you leave a review, that'll really help us out a lot. And we love you, Deutschland. We love you. We love you, Deutschland. Uh, Tell your friends. (laughs) We're
1: doing well in Germany is what I hear.
0: Uh, Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I checked the user rankings. Yes, we are popular in some subset of German people. I'm not sure what they are, but if you are listening, please contact me. Send we a will comment. See what we could do. <laughs> or a yeah. comment in English, preferably, so I can understand what you're saying. We got Google Translate. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> It'll come out <laughs> totally wrong. <laughs> It'll like. Die, Bart, die.
1: <laughs> the only thing I know is do host me, which means I think you hate me. So if you if you see that where you have me, depending upon the dialect.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: Oh, OK.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: goodness, your mind, your mind. OK, anyway, <laughs> All right, we got to end this. All right. This is Zach, owner and provider of Theology Gaming, signing out. Say bye, everyone. I'll Auf in. Goodbye, everyone.